0: Okay, Alexander. All right, Alexander. Let's talk about some news. <laughs> <laughs> we're live. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well, but um,
1: um, it's also—I I, I get the sense that with the news at the moment, we're running to stand still. I mean, things are going on now at such a frenetic pace that it's simply incredible. I mean, you know, where to begin? Putin is in the in the in the Arabian peninsula, the UAE and Saudi Arabia. Uh, He's now meeting uh, Iran, the president of Iran. We've had a massive shopping list from the Ukrainians to the Americans. The news on the battlefronts for Ukraine gets more dire by the day. Congress, the Senate votes against appropriation for Ukraine okay it's a procedural vote but it tells you the direction of travel the Biden administration is falling apart as far as I can see the National Review is complaining about the fact that he's no longer in charge apparently important decisions have been kept from him by his team this has now been admitted I just I've never known a time in recent years when things have been over, all happening it's at such speed, the only thing that I think helps us to keep our head above water is, because, is that we've been saying many of these things now for the last two years. It's been it's been strange to watch this sort of film, which we always knew was coming, all these events coming, but it's like you know, it's sort of dashing forward at unbelievable speed. So that's it's difficult to keep up with all of this.
0: That it is. Bad it is one. One war was was hard to keep up with things. Yeah, yeah. Now we've got two wars. We may even have a third. A third conflict brewing yeah. in uh, yeah. Guyana. We'll we'll see. We'll maybe yeah. we'll talk about that. Well, indeed, yes. Yeah. Um. All right. So let's just say a quick hello to everybody that's watching us on mm. Rockfin, on Odyssey, Rumble, YouTube, and theduran.locals.com and i believe this evening you will have your exclusive live stream on uh, locals correct
1: absolutely correct i i, I, I had okay. a, 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 a 1400 hours okay. eastern standard time and 1900 hours london
0: time okay so definitely join us everybody on uh, the duran.locals.com mm-hmm. you will find a link in the description box down below mm-hmm. valies how are you doing today valies mm-hmm. Good to see you here, and uh, thank you for helping out on the moderation. I believe it's me and you, Valias, today moderating. Mm. I'm sure there'll be more moderators joining. And uh, thank you, Toy Chung, for that amazing uh, super chat. Thank you very much for that. And uh, Alexander, do you want to jump right into the questions?
1: Yeah, let's do that. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Welcome to the Dread community. Good to have you with us. Sanjeva, he is kicking things off with this question comment. I don't know how you do it, Alexander, three kids and a ton of pets, (laughs) but you still have to find the time and energy to produce a podcast every day. Very impressed. And please look after your health and well being. That's from Sanjeva. Absolutely.
1: Well, can I just say uh, this is uh, thank you very much for those kind words, Sanjeeva. But in some ways, being able to take time off from one thing to do the other, be it the podcast to be with the children and the family or alternatively be with the be with the uh, family instead of doing the podcast actually is a huge relief. If I if one was only doing one of those things, then it would be impossible. But actually doing two gives you relief. And walking the dogs as well, which I of course also have to do, is an even bigger relief.
0: All right. Thank you, Sanjava, for that. Uh, Peter, with how, ad- with how advantageous mail-in ballots were for the Democrats in 2020, and given how disastrous Biden is, can we expect another coup for something to, to justify mail-in ballots again?
1: Oh, yes. I mean, I, I, think, I think mail-in ballots are here to stay. I think we're going to see them again used on a humongous scale. Uh, um, next year, the, the the fundamental difference, the thing that makes it different this time from what it was uh, in 2020, is that of course this time the other side, the Republicans, one hopes, are a bit wiser to this and will be taking more precautions this time than they did last. Last time they just basically, uh, you know, were uh, let it all happen until it was far too late. But this time we'll see what they do. Mm-hmm.
0: And, um, let's one sec, Alexander, Marcelo Galimera, gentlemen, thanks for the amazing job. Thank you, Marcelo, for that. Good to have you with us. And, uh, phantom of many topics, Alex, correct your Chinese pronunciation. His name is Xi Jinping, Xi. Xi Jinping. Not Xi Jinping. She sounds like the female word in English, but is correct. She is an insult in Chinese. I think this is addressed to me. Oh right, okay. I'll, I'll do my best. Phantom, yes, of many yes. topics, and yes. I apologize if I insulted anybody with that. But it's it's a lot of a lot of names. I'm, I don't have a photographic memory like Alexander, mm. so I do struggle getting everything in order. Believe me. <laughs> believe well, me. Uh, it's just, not just... easy. Yeah. But I'll try. But I'll try. Just
1: to disclose, 25 years ago, I actually was learning Chinese and doing quite well. But time pressures made it impossible to continue. So if I do sometimes get a few words of Chinese pronunciation right, it's because I have vestiges of memories of how that's done. But uh, Chinese pronunciation is difficult. And of course, the Chinese pinyin, uh, the letters don't have the same values as they do in English, which is confusing for English speakers.
0: Elena, why are the Poles so Russophobic? Don't they owe a lot to the USSR during World War II?
1: Well, (laughs) the events of World War II um, are partly the reason why so many Poles are Russophobic, if one has to say that. I mean, at one level, the Soviet Union did liberate Poland, The occupation that the Germans had was, uh, I mean, terrifying and far worse than anything that came after. Um, There was a very, very significant reconstruction of Poland in the 40s, 50s, 60s. But of course, Poland was not an independent country, was not a properly independent country. It was under the thumb of the Soviet Union and the political system and the social system and was not of a kind that Poles, most Polish people, would have chosen for their own if they'd been allowed to. And remember, it was not a democracy, and Poland, intensely Catholic country, even more so than now, um, was being forced to accept an ideology which was straightforwardly atheistic. So you can entirely understand, in my opinion, why they uh, you know, were resentful. And, of course, many, many Poles also remember the events of 1939, the pact between Molotov and the Robert Ribbentrop, the occupation of East, of what Eastern Poland, Galicia, that we have today, by the Soviet army at that time. So there are lots of reasons why Poles might have hostilities towards the Russians. And beyond that, 19th century, 18th, 19th century, um, Poland controlled by Tsarist Russia, Lots of things of this kind. But I'm actually going to push back against you on one important thing. My experience is that a lot of Poles, many, many Poles, are far from Russophobic. There is, in my opinion, including, by the way, on the nationalist right, which may surprise many people, a significant, perhaps even a critical mass of Poles, Polish people, who are gradually coming round to the view that there is no real issue between Russia and Poland now. And that the time of these two Slav nations to come together, put the past behind them and move forward is coming. So, you know, don't don't discount that.
0: Mama Alaska says, good morning, gentlemen, many blessings to you both. Radu, thank you for that super sticker. Kafan, welcome to the DRAG community. J. H. Scott says, thank you both as always. Any thoughts on Ireland's attempt on adding new censorship laws to their already existing laws?
1: Well, what more to say about Ireland than we could be saying about pretty much every country in the West? They're all going down this rabbit hole and they're going down it faster and further all the time. And Ireland is no exception. And maybe it's taking it further all the time. And the impetus comes from governments of left and of right. And we see it in Britain. We see it even more, perhaps, now in Germany, where it's particularly taking a particularly sinister turn, and we see it in Ireland. And even in the United States, despite all the protections that the Constitution provides and the First Amendment provides. And in, if you want me to tell you what I think, in terms of the West, in terms of people in the West and the future of the West. This is the single biggest issue, actually, (laughs) because when control of debate happens, the West is turning its back on the best of itself. The one thing it achieved more than anything else was freedom of expression. It turns its back on that then all its attractions, all its appeal Mm -hmm. to the outside world vanishes. And on top of that, it loses that single thing which made it economically and socially and politically for so long so successful. So this is a disaster, and Ireland is no exception to the general rule.
0: Yeah. What about legally that that in Ireland, from what I understand, they can actually, like confiscate your phone or grab your phone the police and if they see any content that they think is is hateful yeah you're I mean, you're, you're you're in trouble i mean what i mean I, well, I think i have it right i don't know people in the chat do i have it right is that pretty much what's what the laws that are coming into effect are but you well, know, it's, it's just crazy, man. It's it,
1: crazy. It, it, it is my understanding of what the laws involve Again, people in Ireland might want to push back on that, but that's looking at the chat to see if that's correct. And and you're absolutely right. It is absolutely appalling. I mean, people are having their property confiscated for exercising what are their human rights.
0: Okay, you can only take your phone only if you commit a hate crime.
1: Yeah, but what is a hate crime? You see, this is the problem. I mean, no doubt there are definitions that the definitions of hate crimes are being expanded and extended all the time. But anyway, thank you for that.
0: Thank you. All right. Danjeva, why do you think uh, Hirsch fell for that obvious Pentagon false story about peace talks? Anybody who understands Russia would realize that it would never allow generals to negotiate much less agree is an opponent to join NATO.
1: You know, I I I I, I agree with you, but I mean I've I made my own views about this. This entire conversation, that article is clearly wrong and it was clearly planted using Hirsch. To create a certain impression. Now, why did Hirsch make that mistake? I think there's a very straightforward answer. He doesn't know Russia very well. Now, I've been reading Hirsch a lot. I've been reading, uh, I've I, I been familiar with Hirsch for, you know, many, many decades. Russia is a country that he is not really that familiar with. And he certainly doesn't understand the political system there. Uh, he, he understands the United States. That he does understand when he provides you with information about what the u.s is doing you can bank it but when he's providing you with information fed to him by the intelligence agencies about what other places are doing you've got to be very very careful and very skeptical about everything including what he says
0: All Right from liberty and lenity uh if you believe it likely that the EU will fall apart or lose a substantial amount of power over individual nation states. What would the timeline be for such an event look like in your estimation? Please take a wild guess. A wild
1: guess. Uh, uh, the timelines are incredibly difficult to say. What I'm going to say is this. In a decade, and I, you know, I really, this is a wild guess, but in a decade, I cannot I, I I think that whatever structure exists in Europe today will not look like the one we have now. Either it will have unraveled, which I think is sixty, seventy percent the more probable thing, or in the alternative, it will have congealed into something altogether more sinister and even more powerful and even more oppressive than what we have now. But it will not be the same EU that we have today.
0: Peter says, religious geopolitical questions. Question, as Greeks, can you explain why the ecumenical patriarch does not move to Greece, given its role in Ukraine due to political pressure in Greece, a better option on? Well, the ecumenical
1: patriarch is the patriarch of Constantinople. So if he's going to remain the patriarch, of constantinople and do so convincingly he needs to remain in constantinople which is currently of course the turkish city of istanbul once upon a time it was a greek city and it was the city of the capital city of the eastern roman empire what people mostly refer to today including greeks by the way as the byzantine empire but that is why he remains in Constantinople in Istanbul it puts him under severe pressure because obviously he is functioning in an environment which is not always friendly to put it mildly but if he were to transfer to Greece I think political pressures on him would probably be on a similar level to the ones that he is facing in Istanbul because the political situation in Greece is such that they would not protect him from that kind of pressure.
0: Liberty and Lenity says, more sinister, terrifying thought. Thank you for answering my question. Hmm. More sinister, but maybe not. Well, maybe not. You may go the other direction.
1: Exactly.
0: Elena Diaz says, did you see the reception of Putin in the UAE and Saudi Arabia? It was epic. It was people say
1: (laughs) it was absolutely epic. I hope I am not going to offend anybody when I say that you know his reception in the UAE. I mean you know the, the the car moving, you know with all the troops there. You know camels on the one hand, horses on the other. These extraordinary bands, these colossal buildings. It looked like something out of Cecil Peter Mill. I mean, it looked like it was on that kind of scale, the land of the pharaohs or something of this sort. It was, I mean, they obviously pulled out all the stops for him. And, you know, you had the fly pass with the jets and, you know, streaming smoke in the Russian colors. It was absolutely spectacular. And I think the UAE and the Saudis planned it together. The UAE was the gateway to Arabia. He goes to the UAE. He meets the president there. He then moves on to Saudi Arabia. He's greeted there by um, the king himself at the airport, which is apparently very unusual. And then, of course, he has these long meetings with MBS. And um, a thing that most people have not noticed is who came along with Putin, (laughs) because he had a huge delegation with him. And there were all the usual officials, people from Rosatom, people from the industrial sector, the Manturov, the, the industry minister, um, Belousov, who's the overall person in charge of economic planning, but also Kadyrov was there. And that is interesting. And it does make one wonder whether Kadyrov hasn't had some kind of a diplomatic role, with the Saudis especially. But also Nabulina, the central bank chair, was there. And that tells you that, amongst other things, the Saudis and the UAE, who are just about to join BRICS, are talking about financial systems and global systems and currency swaps and that kind of thing. Otherwise, why bring Nabulina with you? And of course, today he's meeting with the president of Iran.
0: Yeah. Igor, welcome to the Drag Community. Sean. Welcome to the Dragon Community. Emil says, you know the blood diamonds concept, right? The intended jobs to be created by the MIC in the US, can they be classified as blood jobs?
1: Yes, in a kind of a way. I'm gonna say something else, by the way. One of the reasons why we've suddenly seen this loss of in you know, this loss of enthusiasm in the US for the war in Ukraine is because the MIC suddenly thinks this is a bad business proposition. So transfer your uh, war to somewhere else. Look for other conflicts. You don't want to see all your precious merchandise burning on the Ukrainian steps. (laughs) And that is, I think, part of it. Um, The war, the, the war industry in the United States is, in my opinion, almost as dangerous, well, as dangerous, almost as dangerous, to the United States, the integrity of the United States, as what Northerners used to call the slave power was in the period before the American Civil War. In fact, maybe it's more dangerous than that. Just saying.
0: (laughs) Nick, thank you for that super sticker, Orange Proximity. What happened to Western political structures? How come they appear to be so incompetent on both sides of the Atlantic and wider? How are these people getting the jobs? They're not functioning any longer, and how you,
1: you you ask a very good question. How do these people get the jobs? The short answer in Europe especially, but to some extent, even in the United States, is that we have gone over, gone from a system where power in the West was decided through elections, through people voting, through open debate, through people being engaged to a situation where people are effectively appointed to senior posts by shady oligarchs and bureaucracies and and have become, in effect, functionaries. And that has destroyed accountability and it is undermining whatever little democracy is left. And we see that these people who are now rising and making themselves powerful, what do they do? They don't want people talking about their incompetence, and their failures. And that's one reason, that's the main reason why they're closing debate down.
0: E.M. Enriquez, Vladimir the Great, the Terrible, or Vladimir the Artist? <laughs> well, why, why why, not all three at the
1: same time? When you say the terrible, remember that the words the, that the Russians use for Ivan the Terrible is Ivan Grozny which doesn't mean exactly the terrible in the sense that we in the West um, use that term. It's Ivan the awesome, Ivan the person that, you know, you are, you are intimidated by. And you can see perfectly well that Western leaders are very intimidated by Vladimir
0: Putin. Tabernacle says, Neocons, give me back my legions, crippled empire.
1: That's a good one. Uh, for people who don't know, um, what's been referred to here is Caesar Augustus' his f- famous phrase after the, the three legions were destroyed, was it four legions, were destroyed by General Varus in a campaign in Germany. He used to shout, apparently in despair General Varus. Give me back my legions. And we are a new empire, and we can lament that same thing. Our legions are being destroyed, but we have no one in charge that is remotely of the ability and indeed genius as Caesar Augustus. Mm-hmm
0: chiefic any comment on the xmp Ilya keva being assassinated in moscow
1: yeah I, this is this is a terrible thing and you know one does wonder again why the russian security services haven't got fully on top of this thing and aren't uh, uh, providing proper protection to these people but a number of things firstly no attempt any longer to pretend that it isn't ukraine that is carrying out these assassinations these murders Um, There's an article today in the Financial Times, which straightforwardly and openly confirms that it was the the SBU, Ukraine's um, agencies. And of course, when you engage in assassinations like this, inevitably that starts to come back to haunt you yourself. And we are now seeing increasing signs of assassinations taking place in Kiev as well. Now about this particular assassination, it's entirely. Not, c- c- can I start?
0: Not from Russia, though. I oh, mean, not from Russia. Yeah, no, people, absolutely. Yeah, it, between the themselves. Yeah, between
1: themselves, because yeah. they've become accustomed yeah. to killing people, and now they're, to some extent, to a great extent, killing each other. And this is what this is all about, because um, there's now clearly worries that the war is being lost. And there's fears of what that means. And so there's attempts to try to prevent any possible alternative power structure being created conceivably in Moscow, which is why they're targeting um, exiled Ukrainian political figures like Oleg Tsarev before and Mr. Kura in Moscow now. So this is what this is about. It's a sign of desperation the same thing was happening by the way with the Germans at the very end of the Second World War um in 1945 the mayor of Aachen West German city went over to the side of the Americans and the German leadership in Berlin Himmler himself organized his murder and it's it's because they're afraid that an alternative government might be put together, which might, given this change in sentiment in Ukraine, start to pose a
0: real challenge to the government that is in Kiev now. Yeah, I love how they're admitting to this. I know. Like Ukraine Intel is admitting that they're assassinating yeah. Yeah. these these opposition political opposition figures because that's what he was, mm-hmm. and and they're still talking about Ukraine democracy and. Oh, yeah and values and entering the european union and all this nonsense or 61 billion going going to ukraine mm. i mean it's 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 just absolute well, nonsense that's... and and i doubt that all of these these assassinations <laughs> not only of political figures but of journalists as well I, I doubt that the russians are going to forget this
1: oh no no they're absolutely not going to forget this
0: yeah. uh mehmet says will turkey get out of nato asked a year ago and want to ask again to alexander u.s Continuing to arm PKK, YPG, not giving fighter jets, shooting down Turkish drones, etc. What is in it for us, really?
1: Well, I think that the reason Turkey remains in NATO is because Erdogan and the government there are saying to themselves, what do we actually gain by quitting? We can remain in NATO. That means that we can bargain hard because They need our vote in the NATO Council, for example, if they want to admit Finland or Sweden or something of that kind. It gives us leverage over the Western powers and, in particular, over the United States. And that's, I think, the only reason they remain in NATO any longer because you're quite correct. We've now drifted to such a point, something I never thought would ever happen, by the way. We've drifted to such a point where, uh, I mean, the Americans are no longer really treating or considering Turkey any kind of ally.
0: Summer of 1970 says pre Assange, yes, <laughs> and Gonzalo Lira, yes. Mo Ella says, What's the end going to be between Zeluzhny and Zelensky?
1: Well, there was a, re- I discussed it in my program on my channel yesterday. There was a report on a, a Ukrainian telegram channel which said that Zelensky or asked through intermediaries Zaluzhny to resign, and Zaluzhny outright refused. Now, if that is true, and, you know, the Telegram channel that I'm talking about is one which I'm confident is connected to Zaluzhny himself, and moreover, it has been proved absolutely correct in discussing this conflict between Zelensky and Zelensky. resident, legitimate. Resident, I think it was resident. resident. I think it was resident. But um, if if that is true, and I think it probably is true, then Zelensky is defying the wish of his commander in chief in wartime. Um, he's saying to uh, Zelensky, "You may, there may be no trust between us. There may be no confidence between us." But even if you want me to go, I'm staying. And if you sack me, apparently, he also said, there will be consequences. Now, as I discussed in my programme yesterday, when that happens, you are in a pre-coup situation. I'm not saying it's going to evolve into an actual coup. All kinds of things might happen. Zelensky might actually find a way of um, sacking Zelushny and containing the consequences of this. Who knows? But this is a very dangerous moment for Zelensky and, by the way, for Zelensky himself.
0: It's not a coup, but it's a power struggle for it's
1: sure. A, it's definitely a power struggle, which could easily now, very easily, evolve into a coup. D-
0: during a war. During a, a, a war. power struggle when, when there's not a war is already difficult enough. Well, indeed. There's a power struggle during a war.
1: Absolutely. But, you know, uh, the Supreme Commander tells his senior general, I don't trust you. We have no confidence in you. You must go. And that general refuses to to go. He insists on staying. This is insubordination off the scale. It goes far beyond what Prigozhin was doing a couple of months ago in Russia. And I, you know, I think I'm I discussed all of this in my program, but you know, I, I wanted to say that again.
0: Yeah. Alexander says hello from Sydney. Mm-hmm. Hello to Sydney. Hello. Sanjeva. Thank you for that. Awesome. Super chat. Do you know anything about the Soviet space program? The Australian, and not for the first time, spoke disparagingly about their moonshot. Apparently, they didn't report how many cosmonauts actually died attempting the moonshot.
1: And there's been lots and lots of stories about this. I confess I am not an expert on the Soviet lunar program, but my own understanding is that that's, that story has been circulated for many, many, many years. My understanding from Russians is that it is not true, that what basically happened was that they developed the um, the Soyuz spaceship which, still work, which is still operating today, and there was one fatal accident, but otherwise it worked reasonably well. What they, what they never managed to do was to develop an equivalent of the Saturn V rocket, and there were repeated blow-ups with that, but I don't think that there were astronauts who were killed, if any were killed. It was ground technicians, and the reason that the rocket never worked was because there was a massive argument at the top of the space program, between uh, Sergei Korolev, who was in overall charge, and a man called Gluchko, who was the engineer who designed rockets. And they had a fundamental disagreement on the direction. And it, it, th- that that was why it didn't uh, work out. And Korolev died, Glushko took charge, and he went ahead and he designed what would have been successfully. What would have been the world's biggest and most powerful rocket, more powerful than the Saturn V, which is the Energia. But of course, it was launched for the first time just three years before, a few years before the Soviet Union collapsed. And um, the result was that that program was never continued. Mm
0: -hmm. Margarita says free Assange, free Gonzalo Lira, and free Pablo Gonzalez, the Spanish journalist with a wife and small child arbitrarily imprisoned in Poland
1: absolutely correct that's a case that has attracted far too little attention but you're completely correct
0: yeah Elena Diaz says my father had had once a book with pictures taken by the Red Army in concentration camps I was very pro-Israel not anymore what Israel is doing is an atrocity
1: I think a lot of people share that view and frankly you know you
0: use a strong word but looking at what's going on in Gaza
1: I, I, I have to say I agree <laughs>
0: article 99 no one's talking about it what the un did by uh invoking uh article 99 mm. um i don't know have you uh, heard no, about I that haven't. No, I, I yeah kudera have said that well the un put out an announcement that article 99 in order to push the security council to uh to a ceasefire resolution well there you go
1: i mean i i i, I, think, I think, think it's like that...
0: the first time they've used it in 30 years well, there you go. So this is the
1: secretariat itself. Yeah, the secretariat yeah. itself. Good. That so, it, yeah. so, so there you go. I mean, I, this is building relentlessly towards that, and you know, the US can go on vetoing resolutions or abstaining, but sooner or later, the cumulative pressure is going to become overwhelming.
0: Yeah. Uh, Peter says, given the shifting world, it is better for Americans to move to a bricks country, or have a USD job and live abroad.
1: Lots of people are now apparently emig- immigrating to Russia from the West, just so. <laughs> it's
0: a good life in Russia.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Life, at
0: least Moscow. Moscow, yeah. St. Petersburg is really is. nice. Yeah. Uh, Arctic Knight says, as someone from Slovenia, it seems the EU turned from a union of gold and silver to one of iron and rust. Mm -hmm.
1: This is a reference to a passage in the Roman historian Dio Cassius about what happened following the death of Marcus Aurelius and the accession of his son Commodus, the mad emperor you see in Gladiator. And that he says that, you know, we moved from an age of gold and silver to an age of iron and rust. And that's still, you know, often used to describe the, the decline and fall of the Roman Empire. Well, yes, about the EU, I can I can agree. I mean, you know, it, it, it seems strange to me now, looking back. For, for much of my adult life, I was a supporter of the original European common market and then community. I never expected that it would transform into the monster that we have now. Looking back, and I say this about myself, most people don't say I'm naive wouldn't say I'm a naive person, but I do feel I was very naive about that.
0: Uh, From the United Nations, Alexander, uh, for the first time, Gutierrez invokes Article 99 of the UN Charter urging Security Council to help avert a humanitarian catastrophe in Gaza, appealing for humanitarian ceasefire. He says civilian population must be spared from further harm. Well,
1: well. Well, can I just say the British media has not really been reporting
0: this. No, no one's reporting on
1: it. Yeah, I mean that is a big event, yeah. and that is most interesting. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it might be something that you know we need to talk about more on the Duran. I, 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 need to read up more. About yeah,
0: read up. He sent the yeah. document to, yes. to all the member states in uh, yeah. in the UN, and mm. it's saying it's the first time it's been done since thirty years, wow. or it hasn't been done in thirty years. Wow. So, I guess they're forcing. They're going to force the U.S. Yes, yes, to vote yes for C. So, I mean, this is where Absolutely. we're heading.
1: Absolutely. Now, just to say something else, which is, of course, Guterres is not doing this off his own back. <laughs> I mean, he there'll have, have been very, very wide consultations um, within the within you know amongst various states. We already talked about Putin in the UAE and in um, Saudi Arabia. Saudis are known to be working closely with Egypt. Putin today's meeting with the president of Iran. You can see that you can see the pieces are move.
0: Well, the, the UAE, as, as Article 99 was uh, put forward by Kudet, as the UAE put a resolution to the Security Council for a ceasefire. Well, I is. mean, you can tell there's yeah there's coordination. Yeah. Yeah. There is coordination,
1: which um, means that the US is losing control. Well, has. To a great extent, already lost control over the uh, over, over the way that uh, over the UN over the UN machinery, and of course, this comes even as Biden is being criticised by the neocons. Apparently, you know all this business with the USS Carney and the attacks on the ships. It seems that Biden wasn't briefed about it. The, his own team didn't trust the president to make decisions.
0: So they kept it from him. That's what National Review is saying. Sean Hurl says, "Thanks for your insight. Do you think there's a red flag that brings Hezbollah into play? Thoughts on IDF killing Lebanese army officer recently?"
1: There is. There is a uh, um, red line. I mean, you can push the you can push push Hezbollah um, up to a point, but eventually if you go all out and really drive hard at them, they will hit back. I mean, that, that is the kind of organisation that they are. The thing is that there are people in the US who apparently are saying, for heaven's sake, let's not do that. The last thing we want is a regional war. And you read a very interesting article by Gideon Rackman the other day in the Financial Times. Gideon Rackman, I should say, is not dyed-in-the-wool neocon but somebody who's very, very close to the administration. And he was talking after speaking, he was writing this piece after speaking to US officials. And they were saying to him, straightforwardly, we have all of these warships now in the Middle East and we want to get them out because we've got a a fifth or a quarter of the US Navy effectively doing nothing And this is unsustainable for us. So a war with Hezbollah and with Iran, one that escalates out of control, with Russia now acting, remember, as Iran's arms supplier, keeping the Americans bogged down in the Middle East is a strategic disaster. So there there is a red line for Hezbollah. The Americans are desperate at the moment that it should not be crossed because They've gone from a situation where they were looking to strike at Iran, which is what this was all about in October, to a situation now where they're terrified of a war, an, out, uh, an outright regional war in the Middle East, which they could lose control of and which will pin them down in the Middle East whilst China and Russia make their moves elsewhere.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Robin R., thank you for that super chat. Nigel Green says Do you send messages over Telegram to individuals? No. No, we don't. So be aware of that. We try to clean up everything on Telegram as much as possible, but mm-hmm. it's, it's like a whack-a-mole. You get rid of one and 10 others spring up. Mm-hmm. But no, we won't send you private messages on Telegram, especially crypto investment messages. Never, ever, ever. So ignore those messages or report them. Uh, Tabernacle says, to both, favorite quotes or military maxims?
1: Favorite quotes or military uh, maxims? Oh, there's so many. <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, you you could you could go for these. I mean, there's also lots of legal maxims that I know. You know, like "He who goes to equity should come with clean cans.
0: <laughs> the Russian <laughs> like, economies in tatters. <laughs> the
1: Russian economies in tatters. That's another great one, actually. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, but you know, Frederick the Great. You know, "He who defends everything defends nothing," which is the fact people. Always forget about wars. Uh Churchill's, you know, that uh, in, in war, you know, the truth is so precious that she must be constantly attended by a bodyguard of lies. Uh uh Lenin reputedly, quantity has a quality all of its own. <laughs> so well, many, what else did
0: Lenin say? In 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 ten in one year you have what was what's that quote? No, yeah, he, he actually he actually actually did say this. Are things happen that, in like yes? Yeah, ten years is it, quiet, but one year everything happens. What's that quote? No, actually, he's, help he's, me out.
1: Yeah, what I think he said was this: that sometimes uh, uh, events in ten year, uh, ten years of events happen in one week, yeah. and then sometimes other times uh, uh, nothing happens in ten years. I mean, I I don't remember it exactly, but that's that's that that's the that's a sense that's, that's what he basically said: that events can move incredibly, incredibly fun. By the way, Lenin is very good at quotes. You want lots of quotes, go to Lenin. I mean, I remember I remember one that he said also, which famous one about how the secret of politics is state power. If you have state power, you have the power, you can do whatever you like. If you don't have it, you can't do anything.
0: Is it true that um, a Russian military officer or a general told Stalin, um, we've liberated um, Europe from the Nazis and they'll never forgive us?
1: Yes, he did. and it is, was, that, is that a true quote? It was, it was Zhukov. It was Zhukov. It was Zhukov, it was not, it was Zhukov yeah.
0: Interesting, interesting quote. Mm. <laughs> a natural person says, is Zelensky a victim or is he a villain? Yeah, he's
1: oh. a villain. He's, well, oh. he can be both. He <laughs> he's can he's be a both. victim.
0: Yes. He's been true. victim. Yeah, he, he bought into Boris's promises.
1: Yeah. yeah. And he's bet, very bitter about it now, I think.
0: Uh, Bahadi, thank you for that super chat every trend traveler says any insight on the recent activity in the red sea
1: mm, we've just been talking about this i mean it 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 shows how dangerous this whole situation is becoming the fact that as i said this apparently attacks on u.s shipping attacks on u.s military assets and of course if you're talking about not the red sea exactly but not far away in the persian gulf We see American carrier group there and presumably this very powerful nuclear submarine. So if you start deploying huge numbers of military forces and if you continue to give the green light to the sort of things we were talking about that are happening in Gaza, given how many people there are in the Middle East, militia groups people like the houthis for example people like hezbollah it, it is an incredibly dangerous situation
0: yeah there you go thank, thank you patrick for that yeah thank you for that um let's see here he, he really did say that by the way he that, really
1: that is that, that is that is a, a confirmed quote of his
0: hmm. from uh, teg D.I.R.B. must be embarrassing for U.S. officials to be so blatantly ignored by Israel regarding restraint and avoiding civilian casualties shows we don't have the power and influence we claim to have. This is
1: exactly true. And the person who is perhaps the best person to discuss all of that is Alistair Crook, who said on the program that we did with him on the Duran that um, he was told by aides to Ariel Sharon, for example, years ago. That um, they were planning to make big moves in Israel, um, counting on the decline in American power. So you can see what you can see that even in Israel, some people are thinking about were thinking about that then. That would have been about 20 years ago, and you can see how it's coming true now. But can I also say that this has partly happened because of fundamental errors made by President Biden and his team right at the outset of this crisis. We were the first people, just just say this, we floating our own trumpets a little, but you know, if we don't, who else will do it for us? We were <laughs> saying this right at the beginning. When Biden went to Israel, when he spoke to Netanyahu, when he embraced him, he delivered himself into a trap and took the United States in with him
0: they're so bad at diplomacy they're so bad and the worst part is they think they're 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 super good at it too that's yeah. that's the worst part about it yeah. uh, absolutely pa- Paul Walker says will Turkey become a Trojan horse thoughts on the Gulf of Tonkin sequel well I don't think
1: Turkey is a Trojan horse because the whole thing about the Trojan horse was that it was uh, it was an act of duplicity. You had this horse and you had all the soldiers hidden inside and the Trojans didn't realize that it wasn't on his one one Trojan did, you know, Laocoon, but none of the others. They didn't realize that it was you know a, 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 a scheme to insert soldiers into Troy. You can't say the same about Erdogan. All you have to do is listen and, to what Erdogan is saying. And it's all there. It's all public. So there's nothing, no element of a Trojan horse about it. I mean, what Erdogan does, he does in plain view. So, 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 so just saying. Gulf of Tonkin, I actually talked about all of this again some weeks ago in one of my programmes. And we are actually dangerously close to a type of Gulf of Tonkin situation in the Middle East. The Gulf of Tonkin, as many people know, an attack or alleged attack on American warships, uh, misused, misrepresented by the Lyndon Johnson administration in order to get congressional authorization to start the war in Vietnam.
0: Tabernacle says, Victories are not enough. It's how you use them. That's the quote from Tabernacle. Excellent quote. That's a brilliant quote. Yeah. Very true. Mm. Miss, who, who said that, by the way? Do mm. you know? No, Tabernacle, who said that? Let, yes. let me know in the chat. Uh, what are Is your thoughts? Miss up- yeah. yeah. Texas G says, What are your thoughts about the Egyptians' plan to work with the Chinese on space projects?
1: Well, I wonder what Egypt can bring to this. But, you know, I mean, maybe, maybe they can. I mean, they do have a lot of good engineers, actually. But again, you could see Egypt joining the BRICS, buying its wheat and food from Russia, seeking to create an industrial zone in Egypt built up by russia and at the same time now talking about cooperating with china on space programs egypt for decades one of america's staunchest allies in the middle east and its shifting position
0: ronnie said but biden said that <laughs> yeah. Blinken said that. let's see oh og wall says uh good day good day to you as well. good day well. to you And Life of Brian says, interesting that Trump has not gone all out for Israel. Six years ago, he'd have been more vocal. Oh,
1: yeah. Well, I think what happened is that um, he was I mean, that was what he that was, I think, the original plan. Go all in with Israel, send the ships to the Middle East. You have the Gerald Ford ready to attack Hezbollah. You have the Eisenhower and the Persian Gulf who are going to attack Iran, all guns blazing, go after Iran, go after Hezbollah, go after Assad as well. Uh, Settle, resolve all of these problems once and for all. And then what happened is that after all these plans were set in motion, it became clear that there would be enormous resistance within the United States, to implementing them. And then they also discovered that the Arab and Muslim world was um, uniting against them also. And they've had to pull back. And the result is that they've now completely lost the diplomatic and political initiative over this crisis. I mean, Netanyahu and the Israelis are doing what they choose to do, the Arab states... And the Brick states are doing something completely different. And we see that the UN Secretary sec- secretariat is now backing the Arab states and the BRICS.
0: Yoel, well, thank you for that. Super chat. JS Scott says, what impact did classical literature have on you? Huge.
1: Um, um, it's um, an in- a vitally important uh, um, impact. I mean, it, it it makes you, it gives you a great insight into human nature. And um, if you if you're talking about politics, you're talking about history, then you know you do need to have a certain knowledge of human nature.
0: Eric Hatchett says, "How far does Russia have to push the military side of things before they negotiate?"
1: you know i think that this is a point this is a very good very important and very good point now i think a a fundamental mistake that's been made by many people is i think that for the russians to win this war they must advance right across ukraine all the way to um, the polish border i don't think that is how wars work actually i think if the ukrainian army in east Eastern Ukraine collapses in Avdeevka, in Bakhmut, in Kupiansk, in all of these places, and the Russians break through to uh, the Dnieper, the central area of the Dnieper, opposite Dnieper, then I think militarily it's finished. I think that if you look at a map, if you know anything at all about human geography and economic geography, you know that ukraine at that point has no option either that that either to sue for peace or you will probably start to see a a, a rapid collapse and, and wars end like that the first world war ended like that the american civil war ended like that many many wars end like that there comes there comes a breaking point where everything breaks down i think the russians would prefer a deal, you know, a stamped and ratified deal. They can take the Security Council or the General Assembly, which will end all of this in a legal way with international law and all of that. But they made it very... Clear, and that means that they would be open at that point to some kind of negotiation, but very much always on their terms. But I think it's also now become increasingly clear that if they can't get that deal then they're now feeling very confident and they'll just go forward in any, in any
0: case. Rafik Adams, are you guys on X yet? Why not? We are. We are. (laughs) Yes, we are. Follow us. We are Mm. absolutely on X. Elza says, hi, there should be a meeting on the G seven because of Ukraine. Do you have news about that? Thanks.
1: Well, there's talk about this. I gather Zelensky is going to be participating, but you know, if there's going to be a meeting, then there has to be some point that they can constructively discuss with each other. At the moment, none of the G7 states seem to have a clue what to do, they are obviously without a plan. So, you know, you can have a meeting, but one wonders what will come out of that meeting. You know, J.K. Galbraith, the American economist one talked once talked about the no business meeting which was a meeting where no business happened and this is what this looks like
0: claudia alexander as a palestinian sympathizer what are your thoughts on the me too movement has disowned women horrifically abused and murdered on october 7th anti-semitism has since reared its ugly head your thoughts
1: well, I think I think there is a, an element of the second definitely, and as to the first, it tells you everything you want to know about me too. I never took it very seriously myself. I have to say that
0: Rafiq Adams, have you have you seen recent Greenwald interview, interviews of U.S. Representative Massey on growing resentment of Israel's outside influence over American priorities? Any thoughts?
1: no i haven't seen it and i should but you know there are only so many hours of the day and as we've been saying throughout this program there are so many things going on that it's just all but impossible now to keep up with everything
0: elliot with the amount of influence pro-israel lobbies have gained over the years have the roles effectively switched to make the us a client state of israel no i don't
1: think so In fact, on the contrary i think what you're seeing now is growing pushback, and um, the reason for that, it's not just, you know, people protesting outside the White House, uh, and and that kind of thing, but I I suspect that even within the intestines, if you like, of the political system, and of the military-industrial complex, and all of those, they're now beginning to get worried that their whole geopolitical position in the Middle East is starting to crumble, that their warships are... Tied down in the Middle East and all that kind of thing. And I think that is what is feeding the frustration.
0: I am Valentina says, Do you think the US government really knows how bad they are, how bad uh-huh. they are failing in the world's eyes, or do they think they are winning? You know,
1: it's interesting that you asked that question. I don't think they think they realize how um, much respect they've lost. But again, Gideon Rackman, who's been talking to these people and who is very, very close to them, in that Financial Times article, which came out about three days ago, he said that throughout the offices in Washington, the State Department, the Executive Office, the National Security Council, there is now an atmosphere of gloom, of tension and foreboding, a sense that everything is
0: slipping out of control. Um, Mamchil Pirolkov says, you guys should be on all TV networks. Can you discuss why media channels are shunning analysis that is not emotionally charged? Are the news networks manufacturing consent, as Noam Chomsky put it?
1: Well, that's exactly what they're doing. They're also, uh, and this is perhaps even the greatest worry of all, they're also increasingly worried about the election next year the election is absolutely crucial they do not want uh, uh djt back <laughs> that's that's the ultimate terror read all these articles that have been appearing about this now uh, you know there's even a absolutely i think deranged article in the guardian today by gordon brown who's our former british prime minister and, you know he's very closely connected to the democratic party they're terrified about the election. So this is one of the major reasons they don't want to open up debates on these topics. They don't want people coming forward and saying, look, we've made mistakes. We must rethink them. We must um, 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 acknowledge that things are going wrong and are not turning out the way they should, uh, and partly because of mistakes that we ourselves have made. So given that that is so. The priority com- becomes close down debate, put in narratives in, the pla- in, in their place. You know, it's the Republicans who are losing the war <laughs> in Ukraine, not, not us. Nothing to do with what we've done. It's the Republicans who are doing that. Put in, in, put in their place all these false narratives rather than open up debate. And that means, of course, that the kind of thing that you will see in the media is becoming increasingly restrictive.
0: Ariadnova Nova says, I know this is an old news, but I want to know what's your thoughts on the news regarding Indonesia rejected to join BRICS and instead pursuing to join the OECD?
1: Well, I think eventually, actually, <laughs> Indonesia will join BRICS. Um, I don't think they will join the OECD. I think this is, again, an attempt to gain leverage. Um, for the record, uh, Russia and Indonesia are on have very good relations. Just so. OECD oh, take... doesn't make sense actually. That's the yeah. Organization for Economic Cooperation. No, I mean I I, I I I I I thought they were already a member of that. Just so.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh yes, thank you for that super sticker. Zarael says, Hello gents, what's your take on Putin's very short noticed visit and reception in Abu Dhabi? It was awesome oh, wow. by all reports.
1: Yeah, it was absolutely awesome. It was incredible. I mean, we talked about it earlier in the program, uh, Zarael. Good, good to hear from you um but it, it I mean it was the the emiratis just pulled out all the stops I mean I've never seen anything like it before never <laughs> I say that not 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 outsiders I said a, a Cecil B DeMille, uh, um you know spectacular movie or uh, I mean it, 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 it was just the, the pictures were astonishing I mean he was welcomed to Abu Dhabi like a conquering hero.
0: Hmm. Rafik adams says any thoughts on elon musk's recent nyt fu outburst is this a sign of things to come
1: yeah i i think alex you're probably more up to speed than, with this than i am i mean i'm not quite sure what he what happened
0: well when he said uh to the advertisers that, oh uh, that to, that, uh, one, NFL, that, yeah. that one yeah
1: that one well uh, uh, um i i will say then what i think i mean there's clearly as i said efforts to control Um, The public debate and straightforwardly, the advertisers, the big advertising agencies being used to, you know, as enforcers. Uh, 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 All of these things are connected with each other.
0: Tabernak says, quote by tabernacle I was pondering. Oh, that's tabernacle's quote. Awesome. I was pondering Hannibal's ability to gain victories versus Putin's focus on achieving specific goals a tactician's mind versus a strategist. Well,
1: that's right. Well, that's right. Gosh, well, congratulations on that quote. uh, Summer of
0: 1970, Buckley versus Vallejo doomed the U.S.
1: Yeah. I've always found Buckley um, a, to be frank, I find him a sinister individual, actually. Mm -hmm.
0: From Locals, the Law of Attraction says, Erdogan in Greece with a visit. Any updates on that? Why? What yeah. for? Thank you.
1: Yeah, good question. I, I was wondering, but I only found out about that shortly before this program began. Why is he in Greece, Alex?
0: <laughs> he comes to Greece actually quite often, to be mm-hmm. quite honest. This is not uh, a, a rare, it's not, it's it's nothing rare to see uh, Erdogan mm-hmm. in, in Greece. No. But... Um, from what I understand, they, they signed a, a good neighborly uh, relations document agreement. And um, but that's, that's, that's it. it. <laughs> that's it. This is, this well, is Erdogan. It's, Erdogan. It's in waves. There's, there, he's buddies with, the, with uh, Athens. And then he goes back. Mm-hmm. And three months later, he's upset with Greece. And mm-hmm. then he goes back mm-hmm. to being friends. This is pretty common. Yeah, right? exactly.
1: You shouldn't take either seriously. Either fully yeah. seriously, he's neither he's neither your friend nor your enemy. He is whatever suits him to be at any particular point in time.
0: Yeah, they're doing they're doing something with with visas as well, travel and visas for for Turkey to to visit Greece and stuff like that. Alright. Uh, Elliot says, the Telegraph has identified five resistance groups that carried out the 1007 attack, given they are so loosely coordinated that they don't know where the hostages are. Is it conceivable that Israel didn't have a single mole?
1: Well, I don't know. <laughs> it's a short answer. I mean, I, the, the proper way to find out would be to do a proper investigation and have a public inquiry about this. And Israel is the kind of place that has done that sort of thing in the in the past. Maybe they will. I, 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 I mean, I don't know what moles they had or didn't have in Gaza. If they didn't have any, then that is pretty terrible action.
0: Elliot says, inside any of these two groups to know about their plans? Which groups? Well,
1: Well, which groups? I presume you mean Hamas and some of the others. Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, I I, if I mean, one, the, the universal assumption before 7th October was that the Israelis had Gaza fully penetrated in intelligence terms. And I mean, I think many people in Israel are very shocked to discover that that wasn't the case.
0: DF says, can the U.S. spare any aircraft carriers to to guy G-U-I? To guy I'm not quite sure. I guess We're maybe there. the question, can the U.S. spare any aircraft carriers?
1: Well, I mean, they've got, was it 11 of them? It, I, 11, but, but, yeah. yeah, but of course not not all of them are, are in, you know, some of them are, are undergo refurbishment and maintenance. These are extremely maintenance Heavy warships, so I understand. Very complicated warships, by the way. I mean, with all those uh, fighter jets and you know aviation fuel and all those things and electronics, I mean, they must be extremely maintenance heavy. So if you're going to keep two carrier groups in the Middle East indefinitely, then you have to rotate them. You can't keep the same carriers there all the time, I presume. So um, uh, 11 suddenly doesn't look so many.
0: Anas Bela Chahab says, was it Minsk II ratified as international law, legally binding through Security Council? Is there a mechanism to get the West to enforce agreements?
1: Right. Well, you're absolutely right. It, it was. It is part of international law. It was ratified by the Security Council. It is enshrined in a Security Council resolution. And the Western powers, all of them, Britain, France and the United States, voted for it. Just saying. So um, they, they have no excuse at all for the fact that they allowed it to be violated. But you must understand that with Security Council resolutions, there are some that are mandatory and some which are not. The proper thing to happen and the way in which what was envisaged when the UN was created all the way back in the 1940s, is that when a Security Council resolution is violated, the matter goes back to the Security Council. The Security Council then makes a mandatory resolution requiring the party that isn't enacting the previous resolution to do so under Chapter 7. And then, when, if and when that doesn't happen, the Security Council comes back again and takes enforcement action, and it's got many powers to enable it to do that under Chapter 7. The problem was, of course, that the US and the Western powers, with their veto power, would have blocked any action by the UN Security Council under Chapter 7. But you're quite, quite correct, it was international law, Ukraine violated it, and the Western powers backed it.
0: Elena says, how can Palestinians be anti-Semitic when they are Semitic people and Israelis don't always and Israelis don't always are Semitic? Aren't always
1: I, I, Semitic. I, 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 I'm very uncomfortable with this use of these words, actually. I mean anti-Semitism, the expression anti-Semitism has come to mean in the West anti-Jewish attitudes. Now I think this is um you can. This is this is factually or etymologically clearly wrong, um, but I think that there are some people, and I must say this: I think there are some people within Hamas and the Palestinian world and the broader Arab world who are generally anti-Jewish. And I think one should say this: I mean, I think that that they are that in general terms. And I I don't think one should just you know disregard this. If you look at Hamas's charter—that is quite clear. I don't think most Palestinians are. By the way, I've been talking to many people who've been in contact with Palestinians. I've been talking to some people who are Palestinians themselves, but Western observers that I know tell me that most Palestinians not only are not anti-Jewish in the sense that you know that word is used, that that label is used for, but they understand that there has to be some kind of peace settlement and would support one if it was, if it met their um, aspirations for statehood and peace.
0: T-Dog says, gentlemen, would you get Herman Kelly from the Irish Freedom Party on to discuss the current situation in Ireland?
1: Well, I I don't pretend I know him, but I would be very interested to do so. Ireland is a country that interests me a lot, by the way. I, I went to Ireland, a few years ago, for the first time, and I, I have to say, I, I was well, the second time actually. Um, I, I'd been many years before to Dublin, um, but um, the the second visit, the, the second visit, with which I met many more, a much wider cross section of Irish people, challenged my views about Ireland a great deal, and I would be very interested to know what is going on there.
0: Nv Storm says good morning uh, Ahmed welcome to Drank community uh, Rafiq Adams says Alex do you see a possibility Ukraine becomes part of the Russian Federation by request rather than conquest given the rise of the Russian economy and BRICS
1: Well that might have been plausible te- you know 10 years ago before all of these crises began, um, it's more difficult to imagine today. But I have to say, in any conflict like the one we're seeing now, outcomes, ca- the, the outcomes can be very unexpected. We don't know how things are going to shape out, and we don't fully know what Russian objectives are. And we don't know whether the Russian objectives and Russian intentions will change as the situation on the ground
0: changes. Sparky says near 100% support from the U.S. Congress plus Elon's personal support makes BB feel empowered enough to continue to destroy Gaza, killing thousands of kids, even if Biden admin says to cool it. I don't think he
1: has 100% support in Congress. That's the first thing to say. I think that even there, uh, uh, things are becoming more difficult. And can I also say that to the extent that there is now opposition in Congress, it comes from amongst the Democrats, who are, of course, Biden's own party. And that puts Biden in an awkward and very, very difficult position. And uh, beyond that also, there is the, uh, uh, the feelings, as I said, of the deep state people, the State Department people, who are becoming increasingly concerned about the collapse of US repu- influence in the Middle East so all of that is coming together so I don't think the support is as solid as it was the problem the Biden administration has however is that there are still a lot of Democrats who do support Israel and the the Republicans of course are United in supporting Israel so given that the Democrats are split and the Republicans are United This is a very difficult position for any administration like Biden's to find itself in. We come back to that disastrous decision that he took right at the outset, which was to go to Israel, hug Netanyahu, and publicly give him what, to all intents and purposes, was a blank check. Netanyahu is going to go on cashing it for as long as he can. And if Biden tries to stop the check then he will suffer political damage. But there we are.
0: AM says, Kenya appears to have fallen off the MSM. What is happening?
1: Good question. I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, you're you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, I really don't know what's going on in Kenya. As I said, there are only so many hours in the day. So I, I can't speak to it.
0: Alexander says, is American Revolution the only way to stop World War
1: III? I... When people talk about revolution, that essentially means changing the entire political system in a particular country. Um, I, I think that the better way is to try to make the political system in the United States, based on the Constitution, work again. So it's a revolution, which is what I think some people The people on the streets in the United States in 2020, uh, those type of protesters, they were the people who were pushing revolution because they want to change the system completely. I think what you want is a defence of the existing, of of the traditional system, and of the constitution, and of the institutions of American democracy. But you know, if you're not going to get that, if this revolution to overturn these things is successful if the democrats if the hardliners and the democratic party get their way if they substitute our democracy for american democracy then of course every revolution contains within it the seeds of the counter-revolution which is to come i don't want to see any of that happen in the united states i want a peaceful orderly Return to normalcy, but I'm wise enough and now to know that that might not happen.
0: Sparky says, "Make Israel Syria again in in those Ottoman Empire days. Jews and Arabs got along fine."
1: Well, indeed, to a great extent they did. And, you know, this is a point which people need to remember. You know, when we're talking about the Middle East and about what a volatile place it supposedly is. The the long Ottoman centuries, which were relatively quiet, not internally quiet, but relatively quiet, argue the opposite.
0: Rafiq Adams says, can you invite Colonel McGregor again on your podcast in the near future to talk about geopolitics, Israel, Gaza, Ukraine, Endgame, BRICS, NATO, etc.? Thanks.
1: Well, we've we've involved not again.
0: Him. We've we've never had him on, on actually. We've
1: never we never had him. No. Do you do you mean Colonel Wilkerson?
0: Maybe Wilkerson. Maybe. Uh, yeah.
1: Yes, yes. Because I mean, I don't, I don't know. That, yeah. That particular interview has attracted an awful lot of attention. I'm sure we will summer, have him again.
0: <laughs> summer of 1970 says Buckley versus Vallejo established that money no. is speech, and the corruption in the U.S. ever since has been a disaster.
1: Yeah, absolutely. As I said, I, I, I'm no fan of Barclays, and I wouldn't make that clear. He did know quite a lot about classical music, though. <laughs> it's any good yeah, thing right. I could say about
0: him. Rafik Adams asks, can you invite Professor Norman Finkelstein to discuss Palestinian conflict, please? It's, it's possible.
1: certainly possible, yes.
0: <laughs> yes. Uh, Manvir says, what do you think is behind President Lukashenko's recent visit to China? Second time in a year. Thank you.
1: Well, it's a very, very good question. Again, we're talking about all the pieces moving, the chess pieces moving. So Putin in the, in, uh, in Arabia, uh, uh, Raisi in Moscow, Lukashenko in uh, Beijing. <laughs> you can tell that the pieces are coming together.
0: Yeah. Sparky says near 100% support from U.S. Congress. Uh, near, mm-hmm. near.
1: No. But it's, you see, the the, the the part that he's not one that, that part that is not you know, the the five percent if you like, which is against makes all the difference. And it's a vocal five percent. And it's a vocal five percent, yes. Yeah.
0: yeah. Anas Bela Shaheb says Muslim Brotherhood believes in caliphate, the Iranians in the imamate. Jerusalem now wants greater Israel who still believes in borders and nations.
1: Well, in the Middle East, that's never meant very much, to be honest.
0: Rafik Adams says, Alex, question, is it possible for a person with dual nationality to serve faithfully to one country in public office without betraying the other?
1: I, th- As somebody who has dual nationality, I'm going to say this. Um, I, I personally um, feel that one can but one has to be aware that the conflicts of interest can arise. So I, I've served in public office in Britain, but never in any kind of situation, which might have put me in a position of conflict with Greece. <laughs> just just, just so. But um, I would never have wanted to serve in the British foreign office, for example.
0: Um, let's see here. JJHW, those who make peaceful revolution impossible will make violent revolution inevitable. JFK. Well,
1: JFK, yeah. Well, uh, he was obviously talking about revolution in a different way from the one I was talking about. But I, I think what he means there is peaceful change. And I think on that is absolutely correct. I mean, if you try and keep things in just stagnant and in one place, immobile the way Merkel did in Germany, and you do that for too long, then you you do risk violent change. Um, I think the problem in the United States, and again, I want to repeat this, the people who have been working to undermine the Constitution, to overturn the political system in the United States, the revolutionaries, if you will, are those who are in government office now and their backers. Just saying, I I wanted to make this absolutely clear. If you go back to the events of 2020, to what was happening in the summer, you can see that clearly for yourself.
0: Sparky says, seems most Israeli civilians and perhaps military killed on October 7th were killed by the Israeli Defense Force and Israeli police. Hamas has no Hellfire missiles, but the Israeli Defense Force does.
1: Yeah, I think there's been a lot of uh, a lot of evidence about this. I, I'm going to just say one thing. We don't know the exact details because what we're getting is lots of reports and comments and some of them look very authoritative and very definitive, but they're just scattered reports. We don't have a proper breakdown of exactly what happened on the 7th of October. And again, this calls for a public inquiry, evidence from all the soldiers, that kind of thing. And that's where we will get a clear picture of what really happened on the 7th of October. Now Israel, and I have to say this, it is it is a fact. In the past, they have shown an ability to set up inquiries of that nature, which do deliver useful and generally honest reports whether they will this time, of course, is an entirely different question.
0: Wandering Data Geek says, return to the American system of political econ. Yeah. Thank you for that. And uh, a couple of more and we'll wrap it up, Alexander. Yeah. Uh, Sparky says, BB can do a lot of damage before the next U.S. congressional election.
1: Oh, you can do an enormous, enormous amount of damage. He's doing an enormous amount of damage
0: now and irina thank you for that super sticker and i am valentina says we can wake up the u.s government by writing putin's name in on the ballot (laughs) that would be
1: you just that would be be hilarious that would be hilarious actually
0: uh and law of attraction says the time person of the year 2022 Alensky, 2023 taylor swift you please comment on such a shift (laughs) sounds about right well i, I i'm <laughs> going
1: to say this i think i think Taylor swift has an awful lot more achievements to credit than <laughs> uh, 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 uh Al- ever did <laughs> oh, it seems boy. to me that they've th- time has taken a step in the right direction yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> R- 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 Rafik adams says both alex's where do you stand on october 7th attack do you favor the L I H O P M I H O P or D H O P. Brian Berletic no, or Scott Ritter's analysis. Where do you lean?
1: I my lean. I lean uh, on the fact that definitely there was an intelligence failure. Um, um, I don't believe that it was something that um, you know. It, I I don't think it was a plot. Uh, uh, you know, with Israel colluding with people in Hamas and the United States. I I, I mean, I I I think that's too complicated. And that doesn't make much sense to me. And I think it underestimates the level of agency that Hamas had. They planned it for many years. They carried it out. They carried it out successfully by their lights as to the fact that it does seem now that some Israeli civilians were killed by the actions of the Israeli defense forces. I think the accumulating evidence there is now so strong that one can't really argue against that and I don't I accept that but to get a full picture of exactly what happened you know the military failures and mistakes that were made you would need a proper investigation and inquiry and as I always do and I always do this about every conceivable issue of this kind you know when missiles fall on buildings in ukraine or people are supposed to be killed or those two ukrainian soldiers who supposedly were shot by the russian soldiers the other day i always say this without a proper objective investigation
0: don't assume that you can know the truth golden sun says right in watermelon on the ballot (laughs) Uh, tabardak says india china rapprochement or conflict lots of ego there
1: There's an awful lot of ego. And I think eventually there will be a rapprochement, because that's the logic of this. That is the logic for these two countries. A lot of ego, lots of emotion, especially on the Indian side, I have to say. But um, I think in time they will come to terms.
0: Sparky says so far, Israel is destroying October 7th evidence.
1: Yes, you can do that, and you can do that to a great extent, but there are Israeli soldiers and Israeli officers. They're called before an inquiry, and they're told to give evidence on oath. My experience, and I've been through this many, many times, I've actually seen it happen myself, even people who were involved in cover-ups and lies and things like that, when they're asked questions under cross-examination on oath in a tribunal, end up telling the truth or 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 most of it
0: teg dirb says max blumenthal and the gray zone have done excellent reporting on realities of october 7th highly recommend checking it out i have
1: absolutely and i do check it out and i agree with you completely and i mean i in all that i've said i take fully into account the outstanding work
0: they've done sparky says oh no wait i already said that (laughs) sparky no i've already done sparky's uh Chat, where am I here? Uh Manveer says, "Do you think the American people believe Biden when he states the USA's national security is directly threatened by a Russian victory in Ukraine?" No, nope. <laughs> it's the short answer. I'm sure they don't.
1: I, I I don't. I doubt that Biden has much credibility left at the moment. If there was an election tomorrow, I mean, he would still get. Tens upon tens of millions of votes, but that's not because he's Joe Biden, you know, the great leader, the uh, 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 you know, the, the superlative genius at the, at the who stands at the top of the presidency. It's because many people will vote for him, either out of party loyalty or perhaps because they're terrified, have been made to become terrified about what would happen
0: if the other side won. Sparky says BB had. Hamas's plans so he knew where to leave vulnerabilities.
1: Yes, I, I I don't I don't take this, I don't accept this. I think Bibi's position, frankly, I think has deteriorated since the 7th of October. Before the 7th of October, he had significant support within Israeli society. As I understand it, he's now being criticized by everyone. He is being blamed for the intelligence failure. And I think for him to do something like that, to actually collude in that kind of event, uh, in the kind of way that people say, would have left him, would leave him incredibly vulnerable. And whatever BB is, he's not a fool. And I think he would understand it.
0: Rafik Adams, any thoughts on recent Turkish humanitarian convoy heading to Gaza and its implications?
1: Yes, I mean, it's, again, Erdogan trying to insert himself into this conflict, make himself appear the person who's going to come to Gaza's rescue, which he's not going to do. Um, The Americans and the Israelis will block the Turkish ships, and the Turkish ships will turn around and go home. That's probably what will happen, or, or ships or vehicles or lorries or whatever it is. The only way to get humanitarian relief into Gaza it's now absolutely clear, is through the border with Egypt under the aegis of the UN.
0: Jungle Jin says the majority of Israelis purportedly registered approval for killing Palestinian women and children. Have you heard this, and could this be true?
1: It is absolutely true, and there are opinion polls to that effect, and people in Israel, I I, I mean, have taken, well, they've taken extreme positions, as people tend to do, when they are very frightened. Because a lot of people in Israel are very frightened. I've been hearing about this a lot. But um, that doesn't mean, of course, that doesn't mean that it is right. And in these sort of situations, the responsibility of a government is to try to reassure people and impose discipline and and not you know, surrender to these sort of forces. And of course, Netanyahu and his government have done the opposite.
0: Tapato Matato says, hello, if it's appropriate here, can I ask your preferences, theory of history, i.e. great man versus dialectical materialism, etc.
1: Well, why, why, why reduce it to those two? I mean, dialectical materialism is, of course, um, at the heart of Marxism. I mean, it's, it's a Marxist concept and one that originates, by the way, not just from Marx but ultimately from Hegel. That you know that there's cycles, that there's conflicts between the what's coming up and what's resisting it, and that there's a compromise and things like that. I, I actually think that dialectics, Hegelian dialectics, actually is a useful approach to history. But I think, you know, one can't discount the effect and the influence of you know epochally, epochly important people. I mean, there's this Ridley Scott film, terrible film by all accounts, about Napoleon, for example. But Napoleon made a huge difference to uh, Europe. I mean, he he, uh, changed the political geography of Europe. He transformed France. His wars had a long-term impact on the demographic condition of France, which changed European history from there on. But of course, he also brought enormous numbers of ideas with him. He created the French Civil Code. He created the system of lycées. He really set the process of universal education on its you know, moving. So you can't dis- you can't discount the impact of individuals. Look at our situation today. Look at Biden, and look at Putin. You know, dialectics. Is there other? Other theories of history also exist. I'm not going to get into a huge theory of history, but great men really do matter. Or men, human beings, really do matter. We have cho- we have choice, we have freedom of choice, and those who exercise it effectively do make a difference.
0: Sophisticated caveman. Since the end of World War II, China emerged from their century of humiliation and Germany entered their very own.
1: Yes, that's brilliant, but. That is profoundly right.
0: Anes Bella chahab says, U.S. system has friction by design to prevent tyranny. Private sector bureaucracy can consolidate power as they please. How to durably restore ballots?
1: Well, that is a massive question. And, uh, you know, we're going to discuss that. We would need many hours <laughs> and uh, probably Robert Barnes to join us. It's the sort of topic that really one can talk about. But um, political mobilization, uh, Application of the law, um, proper lawful protest in America historically, they've achieved great things and maybe they still can.
0: All right, and one last comment from Sticky Marx History exists because of heroes, but will be erased when God stops time. Endure today.
1: That is a very important thing. You know, we can control events. Sometimes events control us and as a, as a person who um, is religious, um, I, I, I understand the last point also. But, you know, let us never forget, we do have free will. Uh, and as human human people, we exercise it. And we shape our history even as our history shapes us.
0: All right. That is a, that is a good point to end on. Let me just make sure i got all the questions yeah all right alexander
1: that's a well, uh, wonderful lo- wonderful live stream yeah. indeed and you remember remember to join me again this evening or afternoon yeah. <laughs> on Locals as well. Fourteen hundred hours Eastern Standard Time, nineteen hundred hours London. Time.
0: The link is uh, is in the description box. I'll actually add it as a pinned comment as well. Excellent. So definitely check us out on Locals. Sign up to Locals. It's a pl- mm. it's, a, it's the one place where you can always find all our work, no matter what. Absolutely, happens. absolutely. All right, uh, we will end it there. Thank you to everyone that joined us on Rockfin. Odyssey, Rumble, YouTube, and locals, and thank you to our awesome moderators, Zarael, Valias. Thank you for helping out. A Spartan Warrior Queen. I think I saw Spartan Warrior Queen in here as well. Good to see you with us, Spartan Warrior Queen. And um what else? That's it. Yes, I don't have anything else to say. Take care, everybody. <laughs>